Welcome to Curveball Defy. On today's podcast, we have the pleasure of having Andrew Gluck. Andrew studied at Brandeis University, where he received his bachelor's in economics. In today's podcast, we'll discuss his career as a general partner for Aravind VC, his background in marketing, and some of his most notable investments. Um, but with your whole ex- background in marketing, uh, you ended up starting the agent, uh, agency within. You're actually the COO of it. And through that process, you've been able to generate over $5 billion for brands that you were working with. What do you think you were able to contribute that gave you like that extra spice or sauce? Um, I think it was really from the get-go. Listen, we were uh, very fortunate when we started the agency to start in the right time in 2014, 2015, in the right place in New York City. We, me and my co-founder both had strong networks that we built and launched agency with and then continued to grow um, from referral and word of mouth. Um, so a lot of it is luck and timing. Um, but I think a big component of it was we were really analytical. So you had a lot of these older, you know, we talked just to reference back to a little bit about marketing and advertising, a lot of these older advertising agencies who had existed for a long time. But in my mind, they weren't really marketing agencies, right? So they didn't really understand <clears throat> digital media in the same way, especially as it starts to shift more and more to performance, not to how many likes does this get, how many impressions, but hey, what's my ROI on this? Like, what's what's my return? I spent 15, 20 grand on these Facebook ads. What do I have to show for them in terms of actual sales and revenue? Um, and so as, as the performance started to shift to that, that was really, I don't want to say easy for us, but easy for us because that's how we always thought. Um, in, in, in our own work at uh, in-house at, at companies. Um, and so that was really a big, big component of it. And, and again, like, you know, great time um, to join that space just as digital marketing was taking up and continues to ramp to this day. Was it hard for you to get the early con- contracts with some of these big companies? Because you're relatively young in your career. They probably weren't expecting somebody with your background to be helping them. How were you able to convince them? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, one thing leads to another. I think when we first started, we were really heavy on, um, really heavy on other, on startups, you know, um, you know, we weren't, we weren't charging a lot. We were, we were taking like, I don't say any client, but, um, and then it just grew over time. We grew a couple of those clients into big clients themselves. Right. And so they grew with us or we grew with them or, you know, it was a, a synergistic, um, you know, relationship. Um, I think, you know, turning point, you know, in uh, tail in the 2017 or 2018, start to work with Nike. That was a big one. It's one where like, you know, they wanted us to, to pitch them. It was someone who had worked with us at a different brand, went to work there. Um, that was another good component of, of our growth story was that we had <coughs> a lot of folks that we worked with. We worked somewhere for two, three years, and then they would move and shift to new role and they love working with us. We were very focused on making sure that they, you know, were the internal hero and champion um, at, at, the, at the firm or company that they were with. And so when they moved to a new role, they wanted to bring us in right away because they knew we'd improve performance. And we, they know we would make them look great. So we had someone who, who went over to work at Nike, you know, it was one where we were like, yeah, we're probably not gonna win the business, but like, let's do the audit. Let's, let's go all out here. Did a good job for them. One piece of the business, one more and more and more of the business. They love to work with us uh, and they're uh, a client today. 
did that give you the confidence to start your investor investing background or did you, did you always know within that you wanted to be an investor? No, I actually, what happened was uh, I, I saw, so I left the agency. I sold to my co-founder in 2018. Um, he's still there running it. Um, and then, you know, I was doing some soul searching, doing a lot of, spending a lot of time with um, friends, friends of friends, just meeting a lot of people doing, you know, what they tell you to do is try to do like a hundred coffee chats. I probably did like 50, 60 coffee chats with um, just folks in my network, folks who made introductions to other people in, in their network and extended their network for me. Um, realized like, what did I love about the agency? What did I not like about the agency? Let me bring the parts that I loved forward, the parts that I didn't like, let me see if I could do less of those, right? And so one thing that I really loved and wanted to focus on was I love working with early stage teams, with founders, especially in founding teams. There's just a ambition, passion, drive, enthusiasm that you don't get with working with working with the Nikes in the world, the Etsy's in the world is awesome, the Shake Shacks in the world, it's incredible. You're spending a lot of money, you're making big, you know, changes to their business, and it's really fun. And they have a lot of resources that some of these other scrap scrappier, smaller brands don't necessarily have. But there's something about working with those founders and founding teams directly on their project, their baby, their, they're trying to make a dent into the world and really bring something to life um, versus like maybe trying to grow, you know, 10, 20, 30% your year. They're trying to go from zero to one. And so wanted to get more involved in that space. So start to get more involved in the space at the tail end of 2018 for about five, six months, spent some time going to events, meeting people, meeting founders, talking to people, and the beginning of 2019, started to actually invest in companies, uh, made investments into Lunchbox, Branch Furniture, Caraway. Those were my first three investments in April 2019 as an angel investor. Um, both, all three of those doing really, really, really well. So some, some pretty good beginners luck there. Um, and then, you know, just kind of continued uh, down that path, got more comfortable, <clears throat> realized that, you know, uh, after about a year and a half, two years, that this is something I could see myself doing for the next 30, 40 years of my life. And so, you know, I wanted to figure out what does that look like? You know, does that look like an accelerator? Does that look like investing as an angel and advising? Does that look like, you know, some combination of those that does that look like joining another, another firm and kind of explored all these different options and realized like, you know, one of the things that I did like about the agency and I, I just, like is, is, is working for myself and, and having that, you know, personal agency to do whatever I, you know, whatever I want. I have my, now I have my founders are my bosses, my LPs are my bosses, but at the end of the day, like control over my time and energy and focus and where, where I spend it is really important to me. Um, you know, I, I have young kids, like I don't miss, you know, whatever soccer games, plays in school. Like it's very easy. I'm sure I'm sure it's easy for folks who work at, at firms, a lot of firms these days too, but that, that stuff's important to me. So I just wanted to make sure I, I you know, pretty good control over my, over my time and, and focus. Yeah, you mentioned Lunchbox Technologies, one of your most successful investments. How did you come across this company and what, they made, what made them appealing and unique to you at the time? So I actually just, funnily enough, last night um, uh, wrote up, uh something for um an institutional fund to ask me the same question how did you how did you source how did you source the lunchbox deal and so i have a short version a long version the short version is um the founder of tattle alex beltrani introduced me to to the beal 
um, who's the founder of, of Lunchbox. Um, the long story, which is, I think, a little bit more interesting, it just shows, again, like the, the, the curves of, of life and, and how funny or idiosyncratic the world can be is when I was actually first starting the agency, uh, my co-founder and I, that was actually the like side consulting business. Um, we were really, the real business that we were going to start was a co company we called Tasty Tab. My wife came up with the name. She'd kill me if I didn't tell everyone that. But we were going to put tablets on tables in bars, restaurants, nightclubs. We were going to compete with uh, with Ziosk and, and Presto. Um, we were going to go after the SMBs. And so we spent about six months working on that business. At the same time, we were doing some consulting on the side. Consulting side took off and became the real business. And, you know, it was 50% of our time and it was 60 and 80, then, you know, and then we wound down the other business. Um, we never got really that far with it, but we, you know, we spent time wireframing, talking to OEMs, talking to restaurateurs. Um, and so I knew the business, you know, as, as best as someone can who's, who hasn't really been in the business. Um, I think most people probably worked at restaurants or worked at rest, a restaurant as a server for a, for a summer, uh, just like probably most of the world. But, um, you know, so when I started getting into uh, the venture world, I got really excited by restaurant tech just because it was like, oh, I have a frame of reference. Similar to how I got get excited about ad tech or marketing tech or e-commerce tech, I have like a base of knowledge. I'm not like starting from zero, like with like space tech. It's like, ah, I don't know what a rocket is, you know? Um, I don't know what a rocket is, but you, you get my idea. Um, so when I started getting into there, I, I actually looked at a few different companies uh, that were you know, where are still competitors Lunchbox, um, you know, did, didn't quite get there on any of them. And then when I spoke to Alex, who's the founder of Tattle, which is in the restaurant tech business, ended up passing on his deal. Um, he's doing very well. So, you know, that's probably, probably a miss on my part, but he ended up introducing me to, uh, to, to Nabil because he's like, yeah, you really know what you're talking about. You should speak to my, you know, it's my friend Nabil. Um, once I spoke to Neil, I, I, I kind of knew like this was an investment I needed to make. Um, his story is remarkable. Uh, he um, is from Bangladesh and then Kuwait and then came to America with his family and he, he immigrated here and um, he learned how to speak English from watching like Godfather movies. He uh, was the uh, a busboy at Bearbringer, worked his way up to CMO. And really, really importantly, aside from him being like this visionary leader and founder he was the only one when i was talking spoke to like the restaurant tech people who talked about all the different stakeholders and said hey we need a system that works for people in the back of the house people in the front of the house we need to think about what the gm cares about we need to think about what hq cares about we need to think about what the franchisee cares about and we need to think about what the customer cares about all the other people are like uh like hq like like more money more more faster table turn and like customers will be happy but like didn't think about all the other stakeholders who are going to be maybe not users of the technology, but we're actually going to be the, the real users of the technology, not, not the consumers of the technology, but the, but the people who actually have to implement and use it. And so that approach was, was really important. And as a, you know, as a learning to today about this, like there's something special about people who have been in the industry uh, and understand it deeply and innately see the problems and challenges and want to, you know, kind of want to come in and fix that. And it sounds like he was able to give you a presentation and gave you, it completely blew you away. What are some things you look for when you are getting pitched to deal by a founder? Yeah, um, I think founder market fit, which is you know what we just discussed. 
large markets where there could be outlier returns, where you could see the business getting to $100 million in, in ARR. Um, businesses where the unit economics makes sense, meaning, hey, if we build this business, it's profitable for you know whoever the, the consumer, if we're selling to a business, it, the price they pay makes sense for them because the value that they're getting is, is really high. You know, you want to, if you're building a business, you want to extract somewhere between 10 and 30% of the value you're creating, you know, 55 to 30% if you're really at scale. So, you know, you want that user to, to be getting most of the value. And so uh, that's really important. Um, some level of defense, uh, of defensibility and boat. Uh, it's hard these days, you know, technology moves really quickly. People are really skilled, talent. Uh, the world has, has become a lot flatter, uh, which are all great things. But um, some level of defensibility um, around uh, around that. Um, and then, you know, when looking at the founder, you know, is this a visionary founder? Is this someone that I would want to go and work for myself, um, right? Uh, because that's basically what I'm signing up for: is hey, here's somebody, and then also like, you know, let me know how I can help. What are the introductions I can make? What can I look at the product roadmap and give feedback and you know, you're, you're, this is not me complaining. This is just me saying what the job is, is part of it is you're, you're paying for the privilege of, of going and working, uh, you know, work, working for that founder, that company. Well, and it sounds like you're relatively young for a VC and you've been in the space for a while to get to where you're at right now. You've been able to definitely make sacrifices throughout your career. How do you think those sacrifices were worth it? And would you do it again? Yeah, I think, you know, you have to think about what the sacrifices that you make are, right? And, and what the outcomes are. I think, you know, it's a, it's a, good, it's a really interesting question um, in terms of, you know, where are the areas that you, you know, are willing to sacrifice? Um, and so... I think there are, are areas that I probably like, you know, wouldn't, uh, you know, if, if I look back on it, uh, you know, probably um, should should have and should still probably focus on getting more sleep and, and um, more more self-care. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, I, you know, I'm, I'm proud of where I got. I like working. I enjoy the work I do. Um, and, you know, I'm happy with the outcomes um could i gone here you know in a quote unquote more sustainable way like i've, I've pulled the occasional all-nighters i've done the 60 80 hour work weeks um and like you know i think i think work-life balance is important but work-life balance means you know for me means you know often 4 30 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock you know not working hanging out with my family putting my kids to bed giving them baths and then you know, and then coming back to work and do some email from, you know, eight to 10 at night, you know, sometimes coming back to my office, sometimes, you know, which is in my house, but sometimes just emailing from my couch, you know, while hanging out with my wife and watching TV and like, you know, that's, that's life. And, and, you know, I, I enjoy it. Um, I don't feel, there are times where I feel stressed out and pressure, like that's okay too. Um, you know, those are, those, you know, that's, that's, if you aren't feeling that, um, you know, you might, you know, you might not be, you know, and, and a lot of that's internal pressure that I put on myself. So um, I, th I think also one thing that's helped me is with venture, it's a long, much longer time horizon, just in terms of the companies you invest in, the fund, everything else. And so 
I'm not too many able to take like a little bit of a step back and I just turned 34, you know, wrote, you know, whatever, we'll be turning 35 and I don't know, next summer and like, you know, try to look at like, you know, what are the things that are the most important for me? What are like my, you know, personal KPIs for myself and family and, and all those things, um, you know, for, for the fun, for, you know, uh, you know, just all these different components of my life and, and making sure that they all kind of jive and, and, you know, there are some days where, you know, you know, again, work-life balance to me means um, there are days where, like, I won't, you know, I don't know, I'm taking off in uh, February just for two days just to take my kids to Disney or three days. Like, I won't be checking my email very much those days. I'm sure I will, like, at night. But, like, then there'll be weeks where I'm, like, you know, won't, there'll be days where, like, I only see my kids in the morning or only see them at night, right, because I'm, I'm working or going, you know, I'm going to the city tomorrow or, or never going to, to see a portfolio company tomorrow. I probably will only see my kids for like 20 minutes in the morning and I'll probably come home after they're sleeping. And like, that's balanced to me um, is being able to do both. And really also like being present when you do have the time with the family um, is important. So knowing, you know, when to shut off the phone and I've, it's still have a lot of work to do there, but I've gotten a lot better at that at like, just like often just like leaving my phone, you know, in my office, like, and just being like, it's really important. Like nothing's really going to be that important that I need to answer in two hours. There's, there's really very little that's that important. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for taking the time and we'll link everything that we spoke about during today's podcast in the show notes. Thank you Appreciate again. Anything you want to say to the audience, now is your chance. Yeah. Um, you know, go after, pursue, pursue those opportunities, whether they're, you know, personal, professional, um, take those chances. Um, if you're uh, if you're a founder, you know, I have an open pitch process on my website. Would love to hear from you. If you're an LP, wants to invest um, or just wants, you know, you're, you want to learn more about venture, I'm always happy to have those conversations. No pressure. Um, just, just feel free to reach out. <laughs>